You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of AMA Live, which is Ask Me Anything, for those of that that have asked me what that stands for. And today's Friday. Hopefully, you are going to be doing something amazing this week, and you're going to be ready to get back at it on Monday, or, or you're actually going to bust ass this weekend as well and make all of your magical dreams come true. Either one, I'm down for, depending on what your goals are. All right, guys, we're gonna dive right into the first question. Here it is, this is from Lauren Cisco. And by the way, today's episode is brought to you by Toughen the Fuck Up, Buttercup. That's the shirt. Dig on it, you can get yours now at shop.impacttheory.com. All right, Lauren Cisco, Connect Inbox. I've heard you talk about using bright lines in your life. What are your bright lines that you live by daily? How did you incorporate those bright lines into your life? Did you just decide one day or just do it, or was there some trial and error? So first of all, uh, bright lines are lines you just don't cross. For whatever reason, it's something that is that important to you that you're not gonna cross that line. So the bright lines that I have in my life are, um, I'll just go through sort of um, by moment. So the first one is that I get out of bed in 10 minutes or less. So. I have a real problem. I don't know what it is with morning people. I am not a morning person. I absolutely hate mornings. I find it very difficult to get out of bed. So whatever the chemical is that your brain clears up that wakes you up, mine is really slow at clearing that. So left to my own devices, I would lay in bed for a very, very, very long time. Now what's fascinating is I guess technically I am left to my own devices, but left to my natural inclinations is probably a better way to say that. I would lay there for a very long time. It's a very famous story of mine at this point that when I was living in London, Um, I would lay in bed for hours, hours, three, four hours at a time uh, because I didn't want to get out of bed. So I had to put, (coughs) excuse me, I can't get rid of this cough. I um, put a bright line in that I get out of bed in 10 minutes or less. All right, next one. I won't say that it's a bright line that I go to the gym, so that would probably be a little unfair, although that's a... um, one of the first things that I make sure that I do if I'm crunched for time, so I'll drop other things. Like, believe it or not, I'll drop meditation long before I would drop working out, partly because I hate it, and so I put it very high, but that, that isn't a bright line in, in true, um, honest fashion. I never eat my breakfast before 7 a.m. That is a bright line. Now, like today, I woke up at 3.40 in the morning, just woke up, got out of bed, so by 7, I was hungry, but I didn't actually end up eating until about 8.30, um, so, but I have a bright line that I don't eat under any circumstances before 7 a.m. Uh, I don't eat before I feed my children who are dogs, but I don't eat before them. That's a big thing for me psychologically. Um, so that's my next one. And then, um, the amount that I eat is also a bright line. So, um, the amount that I eat for an entire day is always pre-planned ahead of time. I know exactly what that's going to be because if I don't do that, then I get fat. Um, so that is another one of my bright lines. Those are really my only bright lines. I have other things that are like incredibly important. Although I will say that I have, um, a bright line around, and this is sort of hard to pin down to a time, but I have a bright line around if I'm awake Monday through Friday, if I'm awake, I'm either working or working out. So those are my bright lines. There are some other stuff that 
God is more like belief system identity stuff, but those are like the bright lines. Um, I wouldn't say that I got to them by trial and error. I would say that I got to them by knowing what I need a bright line around. So um, with food, for instance, very easy for me to overeat. It's very easy for me to slip in calories without really paying attention. Um, if I were to eat when I was hungry, I would basically be eating all the time. So um, putting in bright lines has been something that's been incredibly, incredibly useful for me. Um, but I also, it's not that I only do things that I have a bright line for. So I also do a lot of things through habit. You guys have already heard my morning routine a thousand times, so I won't go into that. Um, but that's bright lines. Those are mine. All right. Next question is from Dylan Charles Schlunt. This is on Facebook. How do you completely start over in life when your past mistakes won't let go of you? All right. Let's be really clear. You won't let go of your past mistakes. That, that is just the gospel truth. So you've got to work at letting those go. Now, the only thing that I've found that works is the following, to understand that they don't move you towards your goals. So for me, putting in not quite a bright line, but really taking the Impact Theory belief system, which by the way, you can download now by going to impacttheory.com, signing up for our newsletter, which I kill myself to make those newsletters fucking amazing. So go there now, and one of your incentives for doing so is the 25-point bullet belief system. Those are the 25 things you need to do to your mind to make sure that you're optimized for success. One of those things is we only believe that which moves us towards our goals. Now, the reason that I put that into my own life is because I found that I would obsess over things that had happened in the past, either something that happened to me or something that I did, and you get into this really weird cycle that is absolutely obsessive because of that, it becomes hardwired. Because of that, it becomes easier to think about. Because of that, you think about it more often. It begins to just occupy a lot of cycles and crowds out your ability to get other things done. So I didn't know how to break out of that pattern because like you, I thought it was something that was happening to me rather than something that I could control. And so I had to flip it and realize, okay, I'm in my life at the absolute foundational layer of everything that I do and believe I'm going to make sure that it's something that moves me towards my goals. So if obsessing over the past moved me towards my goals, I would do it, but it doesn't, and so I don't. That is the only thing that I've found, that I have a belief that is so powerful and all-encompassing in my life that I should do what moves me towards my goals, that anything, even something that I would otherwise be prone to obsessively return to, I use basically techniques from cognitive behavioral therapy, also known as CBT, where I will stop myself. It doesn't mean that I'm not having those initial thoughts, but it means that I interrupt those initial thoughts because it's not moving me towards my goal. I move that aside and then I go focus on the thing that is going to move me towards my goal, which may be an empowering thought. To reframe that negative thing as something positive, to remind myself that I'm good, I'm worthy, I'm whatever I need to do in order to get moving and get going. Or just ask myself, have you learned from that mistake? And if you have, then go. You've got the lesson. Move forward. Nothing else matters. Cycling through it isn't going to help. So that is my advice. It is very doable. Cognitive behavioral therapy. Interrupt those patterns. Make them habit loop triggers for something empowering. All right. Next up, Dave Hayes. Tom, I'd like to think I'm a super positive person at, at times, but then I have moments where I think I'm just delusional when it comes to goals, ambitions. Do you ever experience the same sort of feelings at times? Any advice? So yes, this is the reality of being a human. You are, first of all, never going to be right all the time, 
Yet, you have to move forward as if you are right. You have to come to a conclusion about what is the most sure path to your goal and be marching down that path. This is advanced class shit, but you also have to be able to go, am I right? So at the same time, you're racing forward as fast as you can. You've got to occasionally check yourself and say, is this actually working? Is there data that I can look at? What empirical evidence do I have that I'm actually going in the right direction? Now you want to know where I spend the vast majority of my time? It's in that. If I'm not actively executing, and even sometimes when I am actively executing, I'm, I'm doing these little checks. What's the data? What data points can I look at? So not like it feels right, not I want to do it. Is there data that I can look at that tells me I'm either going in the right direction or I'm not? So I have that feeling all the time. I'm trying actively to delude myself since the people that are most delusional are the happiest. I'm trying to delude myself to make sure that I'm going and going with enthusiasm. I'm trying to delude myself that despite the fact that I know next to nothing of what I'm going to ultimately need to know in order to succeed, that I keep going. That is fundamental and critical. And then whilst I'm deluding myself, I'm checking to make sure that that delusion never gets out of hand, that I'm still grounded in reality, that I'm still checking myself against data. And all of those things are going to be what allow you to keep this from spilling over into something that's counterproductive because there is a level of delusion that's useful and then there's a level of delusion that is, um, it's going to break you down, it's going to take you in the wrong direction. So you've really got to check yourself against that. Now getting good at that is not easy, but leaning on data, 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 data. What is the external world telling you? <laughs> and not being afraid to see that the external world is telling you that you're going in the wrong direction and then being able to pivot. Period. New paragraph. The other thing that you have to think about is getting good at being strategic. And this is why I'm always reading business books, I'm always reading about the mind, and I'm always trying to fucking learn about what industry I'm going into. So right now, right now, boys and girls, I am enmeshed in the world of comics. And I'm trying to ask and answer some very fundamental questions about why the industry is so broken. So first of all, you have to understand it well enough to see that it is broken. Then second, you've got to understand it well enough that you can actually figure out what are the real answers to this. So diving in, reading what you can, finding out who are the influencers in that space, who are the real thought leaders, who's got insight into this that's going to be incredibly usable. Once you have that, then you begin compiling your own worldview of that thing. But you've got to practice that. You've got to get, and I, and I really stopped midstream there, there's a whole universe of shit that goes around how you get good at being strategic and breaking things down, which remind me I should write a newsletter about that. But that ultimately is what you need to do. You've got to get good at the strategy. So then, this is why this is important, you're doing the nice little bits of self-delusion over here, but over here you're really fucking good at strategy and you really know how to move towards your goals and you're checking yourself against data and that's how you keep yourself sane and moving in the right direction. All right. Jason Duderlein. Yep. You speak about fanning the flames of interest into a burning passion. Could you walk us through what that looks like? What are the steps? What's the process, obstacles, or difficulties to expect and guard against? Here's how it goes. First of all, each and every one of you needs to avoid what Kevin Kelly calls premature optimization. Then you need to go out and experience a whole lot of stuff. Now, premature optimization is where somebody thinks off the jump, oh, this thing, I'm kind of interested in that. I'm gonna optimize my life for that thing. 
And the reason this happens is, God forbid, you went to a high school where they already made you choose like more or less a major, which they do in the UK, and I think is problematic, and some schools do here in the US, then certainly by the time you get to college, everyone is forcing you, they want you to pick a major. Then when you get out, you've got to get a job, and you want to get a job that makes sense with the major that you just got because you took on all this debt and you spent all this time, and so that's premature optimization. You literally made a decision when you were 18, maybe 17, terrifying, and now the whole rest of your life is an echo of that random fucking decision you made before your brain was finished developing. Think about that for a second. Your brain doesn't stop developing until you're 25. So at 18, and that's late, honestly, most people are thinking about it at 17 or even 16, you're making a decision, you're prematurely optimizing, you haven't experienced enough stuff, you don't know what really lights that initial spark of interest, and so you go down this path, you're, it, you're at 25, you're having a quarter-life crisis because you don't love what you do, it's a fucking mess. So, my advice is to go experience a whole lot of things. Now, whether that's taking a gap year, which I would never have done, um, so trust me when I say that's not your only option, but you need to be experiencing a lot of stuff, trying a lot of things, taking a lot of classes, watching videos, tutorials, reading, learning, like figuring out what it is that you go, whoa, I really like that thing. It's not a passion, it's not gonna spark off like that. It's just experience, you find something, Ah, it piques your curiosity. You're more interested in that than the next thing. Okay, now we're going to engage with it. This is step two. Engagement is different than just going and experiencing. So that's sort of a, a very non-committal, dilettante sort of way of involving yourself with something, just experiencing it. The next is I really like this and I'm gonna go hard on it. So if I took a dance class, now I'm gonna sign up for a year's worth of dance classes or something. I'm gonna start going and I'm really gonna see if I like this. And in that engagement process where you're starting to read about it, you're talking to other people about it, you're you're gonna find out if the more you get into it, the more you're like, whoa, this went from an interest to like a real fascination. Fascination is that next gate. If it turns into a fascination and you're like, whoa, the more I learn about this, the more I want to learn and the more that I get just excited about this, the more energy it gives me. Okay, that's a good chance then that that thing can become a passion. Now we're gonna go through the process of actually gaining mastery. Now, I think passion is like love, meaning it needs to be a reciprocal thing. So as you go down the process of gaining mastery, those skills need to then be useful in the real world, and the echo that you get back from the real world, that those skills are valuable to other people, the more you're gonna be like, whoa, I feel good about myself. So now you had something that was interesting, it turned into a fascination the more you engaged with it, and now as you gain skills, you're actually able to serve other people who then give you that positive reinforcement where you're like, whoa, not only am I getting good at this, like that getting good has real world utility and it impacts other people. And then they echo that back and that makes me feel really good about myself. So I enjoy it in and of itself and I enjoy that element of techni where as a social species, I am helping other parts of my tribe and that feels really good and it's something that other people value. That is the passion. Now, fanning the flames is a slightly different thing to the side of that, which is in that process, which I think it starts pretty early, probably starts back at the interest phase. As you get interested in something, you're going to start doing things like what I'm doing right now. Two seconds before the camera started rolling, I was not talking like this. I did not have this energy level. Um, I wasn't using my hands as much or my face as much, oddly enough. 
but embodying something is absolutely critical. So a big part of gaining a passion is telling other people what you're up to, allowing yourself to embody the excitement, telling yourself and other people that you're excited about it and actually embodying that excitement, embodying that passion, which then your brain goes, whoa, we're getting really excited about this. You know, we're, our volume is getting higher, we're getting more energetic, we're moving more. All of that stuff forces the brain to say, this must actually be really important. And when you start doing that, then you're beginning to hardwire your brain for that. And you're beginning to associate the emotion with that thing that you're doing. It is something that you can very much do as long as it's based on something real. I find that this is pretty ineffective if there isn't that real core level of interest. But if you have that real core level of interest, then all of a sudden everything that you do just magnifies that over and over and over. And by the way, this works incredibly well in your relationships. Um, think of it as feeding the fire. So you still need the spark, you still need something to actually be burning, but once it's burning, stoking it, putting wood on the fire, giving it oxygen, all of those things which are embodying that passion, telling other people what you're up to, learning it and getting excited about that, seeing how your skills are actually useful in the real world, seeing who you can help, that kind of stuff. And then really focus on that. So like when people write me or they stop me in the street and they say, dude, like your content has really changed my life. I really take time to let that hit me. I take time to feel that emotion. And when I'm doing something that's hard and I don't want to be doing it, I lean on that. Those moments are the things that end up seeing you through. So there it is. Johnny Sperling, this is from YouTube. What advice would you give to someone in a very happy relationship whose only concern is that bright lines are not quite in alignment? Um, is this a serious red flag? Absolutely not. My wife and I do not have the same bright lines. Um, like my wife, one of her bright lines clearly is working out in the gym. That's so crazy to me. I literally don't understand that. I hope she watches this episode because I really wish she would stop making the gym a bright line and start prioritizing other things. But to her, it is an absolute must. So cool. Respect it. The fact that we don't share our bright lines just means that our goals aren't exactly the same. And I think that's absolutely fine. We share some goals. So in the company, there are a lot of things that we um, would have the same bright lines around, but there's not. She's back. Did you just, how'd you get back so fast? I got back fast. Wow. My wife can teleport. This is an amazing new trick. So welcome back. Did you hear what I was saying? I yeah, I was saying that to you, the gym is a bright line and I wish that it wasn't. And there are times where I think you'd be much better off doing something else. But nonetheless, I accept that it is one of your bright lines. Uh, so anyway, the point of that is I don't think that you need, I don't think that you will have, I don't even think it's logical to try to have the same bright lines as somebody else because they're very specific to your goals. They're very specific. Like my wife bounds out of bed. Like that's just a thing for her. Like from the moment her eyes wake up, she's just awake. She seems like an alien to me. I don't understand it, but nonetheless, that's her experience. So she makes fun of me because <laughs> it'll take me like an hour to be at her energy level from like eye open second one. So it's pretty fascinating. So she doesn't need that kind of bright line. Um, so yeah, there you go. I wouldn't be tense, but having core values that match, that I would pay a lot of attention to. Beau Montier. I have a hard time with bright lines because I find myself a few days, weeks in saying that was a dumb thing to draw a bright line around. Do you ever encounter this? If so, what do you do? I do not encounter that because I have a bright line just to be clever around making sure that what I promise myself I'm going to do, I scrutinize 
long before I make a bright line. So I don't go, oh, that's interesting, bright line. I go, okay, that's interesting. I want to explore that more. What would that look like? How would that serve me? What would it really feel like for me? Um, How's it playing out in my life? Does it actually have real world implications? And this isn't all something that I sit down in one quick session. Like that's what I'm thinking about. I may think about it for weeks, a month, more, six months, who knows? And it depends on what kind of impact that it's gonna have in my life. So I don't, you don't lead with bright lines to create a habit, let's be really clear about that. So habits are something different, getting in routines and habits is a place to start. And then if you find, like I have a morning routine, I have habits that I do every morning, but they, they are things that I'm very flexible on that creates a lot of um, mobility in my life. If I wake up late or something like that, then oh, I'll just shave this out or the other. Bright lines, motherfucker. Like I, if I have a bright line, I don't fuck with my bright lines. I do my bright lines. So that's the whole point of a bright line. They are absolutely non-negotiable. So be very careful about what you put bright lines around. Make sure it is something that's leading you towards your goal. Um, and I think it better to make it a habit and a routine first and see if it actually has an advantage, if it's something that's important and if it's something that you struggle with and think that it's really, really important and you need that bright line. Um, and just to give you a really quick metaphor to think about bright lines, I find it very easy to eat zero Doritos. I find it very hard to eat one Dorito. So that's a bright line. Just don't fuck with Doritos. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions, and I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing, and a big part of that strict diet is high-quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is off Offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. And that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash impact and use code impact to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're going to have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash impact theory.
In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. There you have it. Janelle Leslie from Facebook. How do you keep from talking yourself out of breaking or making exceptions with your own bright lines when you're first trying to get those into your routine? Okay, so just like I was saying, there's a difference between a routine and a bright line. So I don't lead with a bright line with few exceptions, when I, I, when I diet, that I'll do just like hard and fast, bright line out of nowhere. Um, I need to really think about how other people can do that successfully. Where I get that is my identity. So my identity is wrapped up in, if I promise myself I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna fucking do it. That's big to me, even if nobody's looking, that's really big. And so I know how I wanna feel about myself when I say that, and so I adhere to it just because of that. And I cannot tell you, that that desire to feel a certain way about myself because I've constructed an identity, I've told other people what my identity is, and I want to feel that like, I wanna be impressed with myself, that's the reality. I wanna feel that like pride when I say it or when I'm all alone and I'm thinking about who I am and how I'm acting. That feeling to me is so intoxicating that I have to act in accordance with that. That probably comes up in my life it's gotta be close to 10 times a day, a day, because I'll want to relax. I'll wanna let off the gas pedal. I'll have just been doing something and I'll be like exhausted and bored with it and I'll wanna go like do something fun and I'll be like, no, no, no. Like I could literally just go do this and no one would know and yeah, I would know. And so that keeps me in check. So identity drives behavior, that's the big one. Tracy Hughes, Tom, I'm a 68 year old woman. Can I just say that is beyond amazing that you're here in this feed. I love you the most. Uh, You're a young man. Can we talk? I'm totally old, dude. Pain everywhere. Parts falling off. Out. Is there hope for me? Yes. Now, Tracy, I want you to lean in because I'm going to say all the things to you that I so desperately want my mother to embody. None of us know how much time we have left. I could have an aneurysm and die before the end of this AMA. I could have an aneurysm and die before the end of this sentence. So since that is true, and none of us have a guaranteed amount of time, the only thing that's fucking with you is the physical pain and then the belief that 
no one makes it past a certain age. So you know now that you're at some point in your life that things have changed, that there's a diminishing amount of time on the other side of you. Okay, I fully get that. Acknowledge all of that. That's actually going to influence the things that you do. You're probably not gonna do really long-term projects. But now let me introduce you to the idea from Eckhart Tolle. The only thing that's real, the only thing that's real is right now, this moment. So the only reason I do long-term projects is because right now, in this moment, they make me feel amazing. I love that striving towards something and building towards something that's long-term. But let me tell you, if I find that like, if t- in fact, if I go to the doctor tomorrow and they diagnose me with a terminal disease and they say, look, dude, you got six months, a year, I would immediately stop with long-term plans and I would immediately optimize for things to make me feel awesome right now. So your goal is to say, whatever you're comfortable with, if it's things that are three years out, five years out, if that feels like a good medium range goal, because look, the average life expectancy, I think here in the US is 78. So I mean, you've got at least 10 years. You're not average. You wouldn't be in this feed if you were. So you've probably got, let's call it, 90 years, 95 years. So now we need to do two things. One, you're gonna optimize for things that make you feel alive right now. I can't, Tracy, I built a billion dollar company. I've got a lot of money. It's fucking crazy. I never expected it. But can I tell you, when I slide a three, a $2.99 comic into a four cent comic book sleeve, the amount of pleasure that I get out of, even I have to laugh at how much fun I have doing that. It's like this whole meditative process for me to put it in, turn it over, close it, tape it closed, put it in its nice organizational place. I get a fiendish amount of joy out of that. So it does not need to be complicated. It doesn't need to be expensive, but find things that you love doing right now. There's gonna be something that's just deadly simple that you can immerse yourself in, whatever that is, crafting. Find that thing, do that thing. Like engage with a whole bunch of stuff. Go shock people by learning new things. Learning is another key. Go learn, learn, learn. And this is the thing I really want my mom to do. Become a silver sniper. Join a CSGO team or a Destiny team or a Fortnite team and go learn to play video games. You'll be startled what it does to your brain. All right, now let's talk about the physical pain element. So we've got to get rid of the inflammation right now. So the biggest thing that you can do to get rid of inflammation is stop eating sugar altogether, period. It's hiding in more things than you can possibly imagine. Next, cut out carbohydrates. The only carbs that you should intake, I'm gonna be controversial right now, but trust me, secretly, between you and I, if you do this, I think that it's gonna work. If you, the only carbs you intake are from vegetables, you're gonna be laughing. So get your carbs from vegetables, don't touch sugar, and then, I'm gonna whisper this one, try a ketogenic diet. It doesn't work for everybody, but for the people that it works for, it was utterly transformative for me. I had wrist pain, bad wrist pain for 15 years. I had to ice my wrists every night since I was like 21 or 22. I mean, it's crazy. Went high fat keto and they're different. First I went keto. Now I maintain mostly at high fat. That was utterly transformative for me. Where you're getting your fat from matters greatly. Go look up a dude named Mark Sisson. He will take you way in. In fact, our most recent episode of Health Theory is another amazing episode from a woman that did a whole keto transformation. It's absolutely incredible. Watch that. She'll give you some of the emotional juice as well as some of the what's to do. All right. It was a really long answer. But Tracy, I'm, I am so amped about people that are in your age bracket. Uh, I will say that you're still young. That it is the mindset of... I've still got A, a lot of years, and even if I didn't, I can still have a lot of fun right now. And now, 
is all that we have. David Kim, what are the top five priorities on your most important things list? Do you have to finish the first priority before moving on to the next one or do you work on uh, multiple of them per day? Okay, so the top five priorities in my list aren't gonna be very interesting to you guys, but it's stuff like um, we have a um, content problem right now, which I'm deeply distressed about. So we're gonna have to get way better at pulling clips. So that's become like an absolute obsession of mine. Um, it's things like figuring out um, what's going on in the comic book world, which uh, trust me, that has like a lot of really specific shit. Like there are companies that we're looking at buying. Uh, like, like I said, none of that is gonna be really interesting to you. Um, I do put them in rough priority order, but the reality is some things can be checked off your list and some can't. Like uh, there's two companies right now that we're considering buying. And so it's like back and forth and each one of them needs something different. And a lot of times we're waiting. And so it'll be like, put this list together, make sure that you get that sent out, but it's part of like a big grouping of things under that heading. Uh. So yeah. Uh, the key is just to know exactly what steps you should be doing, what you need to be executing against, and make sure that it's things you can do. So that it, um, there should be very little, if any, things that are like, think about. It should be, do this, put this list together, send this, um, contact that person and ask these five questions, that kind of thing. Um, so make sure that your list is very actionable, very to-do, and I'm always, there's always a lot of stuff on my list. So um, one of my things is, that's why I put them in priority order because, <coughs> excuse me, at any one time there might be a hundred things on my important things list. But the reality is that I may be only able to get to, let's say seven or eight in any one day. Um, so that's how I do it. All right, Dylan Pierce. YouTube, Tom, please share with us how one could leave the delusion of thinking small consistently and play in the rare air. Okay, this is something that you can train yourself to do and here's how I think of it. Elon Musk is gonna terraform Mars. That's all I need to say to myself. Elon Musk is gonna terraform Mars and all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, like fuck, I'm thinking really small. So pushing yourself to go to that next level, that next level, that next level until it's so absurdly big that it's, that's not even true. I was gonna say so absurdly big that it terrifies you, but it's really like the big thinking comes down to what do you really want to accomplish? If I said whatever you were gonna try, you were gonna succeed at, it's a very famous question. I am sadly not thinking of this on the spot. If you knew that you were gonna succeed at whatever you tried, what would you try? So for me, like, my whole thing is I wanna pull people out of the matrix. Who's done that the best? Not pulled them out of the matrix, but use the path that I think is the right path, which is narrative. So who's done narrative the best? Disney, okay. Disney is a massive company. They've been in business for like 75 or 80 years. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. Um, so, okay, cool. I'm going to outperform them. Since they've done it the best and I have no interest in being second, wanna be first, okay, there it is. Now that's not terraforming Mars by any stretch of the imagination, but fuck, that's pretty big. So. Thinking like that, I think is important because one, you're gonna be able to rally people, you're gonna be able to get them excited, but you've gotta back all the way back from a 75, 80 year time horizon to what do I do today? So that's where I find that people break down. It's not that they're not able to dream big, they can dream big, but they can't execute big. And that's where I think people really fall down. And the one key to all of this, to being able to execute big to allow yourself to believe that you can execute against that is to believe that you can learn anything. So I was just telling somebody last night um, that 
it, what was I gonna say, I so blanked because the person I was with, I'll just say this because my mind is like sketching out. Um, if you guys don't know Tony Gonzalez, the football player, he's amazing. Check him out. That dude's mindset, absolutely incredible. I invited him on the show, in fact. That's who I was with last night, if you're wondering why I'm bringing this up. Uh, and he said that he didn't want to until he conquers the next part of his life. And I thought, Jesus, for somebody that's done what he's done, to be like, it's not enough yet, that's pretty interesting. So executing big, the key is that you've got to believe that you can do anything you set your mind to. You've got to be, you've got to believe that you're able to um, execute against all of that stuff, that you can learn that. And that really is the key, to go into something that's completely unknown. And as I was telling Tony last night, if I were to um, tomorrow wake up and have Disney Studio at my control, I, I think I would fuck it up. So I know that I have to become someone new in order to execute against that vision. And it's your willingness to become that person, to accept that you're not that person right now today, but that you can become that person. That's the important part. So what I want you guys all to believe is that humans are designed to adapt. We are the ultimate adaptation machine. We can learn anything we set our minds to. Now, you may not want to learn it, and that's good evidence that this is not a fascination that's going to turn into a passion. This is something that you should avoid. But if you can answer the question affirmatively that do I want to know more about this than anyone else in the world? If the answer is yes, that's a path to go down. Because once you're saying yes to that, then you're going to go in and learn the things you need to do to become extraordinary. And if you're willing to put in the effort, while it may take you longer than somebody else, you will get there in the end if you keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. Because the people that win are not the smartest. It is always the people that keep at it. It's the people that persevere. That's just truth, man. Now, being smart helps, yay. Um, I really wish I was a lot smarter. So, but I know that I'll beat 99.999% of the people that play regardless of level of intelligence because most people just drop out. Karen Gunadoder? Gunadoder. Karen Gunadoder. Man, I'm curious how close I am with that one. You've talked about in one of your videos that you didn't feel you were good at anything. How did you overcome that and make yourself believe in yourself? What I've said was I don't have natural talent in anything. So um, as a kid, it was really doing things that I got positive feedback from somebody. So my dad once told me that he thought that I was better behind the camera than I was in front of it. And so for a lot of years, um, I actually did think that I was good at that. And then I got slapped around in film school and realized that I didn't have any natural talent. That was an utterly heartbreaking moment. And that was me then having to come to accept that I am, like everyone, I, am, I was born hopelessly average. And my life has become a mission of seeing what are the things that I care enough about to become extraordinary. And then putting in the time and energy and effort to actually become extraordinary at that thing. And I am utterly astonished at the breadth of things that you can become good at if you're willing to invest the time and energy. So my thing is don't limit yourself to what you think you have a natural inclination towards. Limit yourself to what makes you feel more alive. So it starts with an interest. Ooh, that is cool, I'm interested. Then by engagement, it turns into a fascination through the gaining of mastery, it becomes a real passion. Like that's the spectrum of things you wanna deal with. Not like, am I good at it, am I not good at it? For instance, I'm terrible at math, and yet that was one of the things that I had to get better at. I'm still terrible at high level math, but like functional math, I got a lot better at. Um, that was really useful in business. Um, I certainly have absolutely no, <coughs> excuse me, I have no natural aptitude in that direction. So, but that's what my goals demanded. <coughs> One day I will be over this cough. 
So that's the key is what are your goals demanding of you and move in that direction, put the energy in, uh, break it down, practice it, actually take the time to get good. And that's where you're going to see that you start to believe in yourself. And I think that self-belief, it, it exists on two planes. Plane number one is just, I choose to believe I can learn anything. And so that's going to give you the willingness to move forward because humans lead with belief. And the belief, the only belief you need to move forward is that you can learn. And then the second part is confidence comes from competence. So actually getting good at something. I don't think there's anything more intoxicating for a human being than to get good at something. To not have been good at it one day and then get good at it the next is is just one of the most amazing feelings that any human being can have. So I invite you all to go on that journey. All right, Alma Chairs. How can I achieve higher motivation? I'm very positive, maybe too much, so I end up being okay with things when I should probably be pushing harder. Okay, I want to make a very clear delineation between being optimistic, being positive, and having low standards. What you just told me is that you're both positive and optimistic and you have low standards. So that is a deadly combination because you're gonna feel good, it's all possible, oh, we fucked up, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, that means you're just, you might be happy and that's awesome, but if you want fulfillment, which is far deeper and longer lasting than happiness, then I think you need to click over into holding yourself to a higher standard, really becoming capable of something that makes you proud, becoming capable of something that serves other people, to be a benefit to the community, to your tribe, all of that. Like that's where life gets profoundly interesting and where you feel a deep connection and a deep sense of well-being, which transcends any momentary happiness. So. Um, that would be my thing. Hold yourself to a high standard. And my thing, look, you gotta want something. You've gotta want something. This is like a big frustration in my life. I find that most people, A, don't even want anything that badly, and B, they really haven't taken the time to turn that want into an absolute crushing need. Now, that is a fan the flames process. I already went through that earlier in the episode, so I won't do that again. And here's the reality, and this was summed up by Ray Dalio. I cannot believe I blanked on that name for a second. Ray Dalio in his book, Principles, he said, I don't know if the way that I've gone after my life was such tenacity and high standards and going for broke. I don't know if that was better than somebody who optimizes for a stress-free, low-key life. I don't know which is better. I just know that that was the only way I could have lived my life. And that is exactly how I feel. I don't think the way that I go about things is better. I just know that it's true to who I am and who I want to be. And for that reason, it fills me with excitement, it fills me with joy when I'm going all out, when I'm going from broke, even when I have to embody rage to get people to wake up, to snap out of it, to keep going, to see where we need to go, or even if it's just aimed at myself, even when I'm embodying rage, there is a part of my brain that is absolutely intoxicated by the thrill of the pursuit of greatness. The pursuit of greatness is one of the the primary drivers in my life. So that's something that I, I want for you guys, not necessarily to have that in your life, I just want you to want something as badly as I want greatness because it's fun. It's fun to want something and to pursue it like that. So whatever that is, even if it's just tranquility, to pursue it with everything, to give yourself over to it completely, 
I just, I cannot recommend that highly enough. All right. Probably last question. Freddie Sahagan. Hey, Tom, as humans, I think the thought of failing always comes up when making major life business decisions. Can you share with us what you tell yourself in situations like these? <coughs> I always tell myself that I will figure it out. I will pivot. I will go in whatever direction I need to. I am so confident in my ability to rebuild, to start over, to accept defeat, the willingness to be embarrassed, knowing that in that defeat, in that failure, I will learn something, I will grow, and on a long enough timeline, I will win. Because I'm collecting all of these nuggets of wisdom, the pain and the suffering of failing, and I'm building myself into a wiser, stronger version of myself that's more capable and more able to execute. And because I don't build any of my pride around my success, I build all of my pride around my pursuit, that gets very easy. And I just want people to understand that about me. I take pride in my willingness to stare at my inadequacies, my willingness to improve my inadequacies, and my willingness to sincerely pursue grand goals. Those are the things that I'm proud of. Those are the, the that's the kind of person that I want to become. So, it isn't about the money. So if I lost the money, eh, it is what it is. It would suck, don't get me wrong, I'm not nonchalant about it, but because it's so powerful and what it facilitates, but it wouldn't damage my sense of self, and that's the important part, because I don't allow my sense of self to be tied up in that. Um, the same for, this community is unbelievable, it's unimaginable how fast it's growing. Thank you guys, literally kisses to each and every one of you. This is pure madness, how fast we're growing. But if it all went away tomorrow, that also wouldn't damage my sense of self. What builds my sense of self is when somebody says, I think you're doing that wrong, and I really sincerely stop and look at it and go, wow, is there something that I can use here? Rather than trying to shut them down or think of reasons not to listen to them. When I fail, I realize I'm not wasting a second on worrying about being embarrassed. I'm just thinking, what can I learn from this? Because I don't want to go through this again. I feel the pain. It sucks but it isn't damaging my sense of self. And I wanna learn from it, I wanna grow, and I wanna get better. And then in those moments where I feel like I'm really trying to solve problems that I don't know if I'm gonna be able to solve, but I'm so into the process of trying to solve it that it's fun, that I'm enjoying those moments. And going back to Tracy, 68 was Tracy. Going back to Tracy's notion, now is all that you have, and doing things that you love right now, that's absolutely critical. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. Remember, today's episode is brought to you by Toughen the Fuck Up Buttercup, um, which I love that sentiment more than I can tell you. It's all about holding yourself to standards. You can get this shirt. You know me. It's all about self-signaling. Go to shop.impacttheory.com. Get one for yourself today. And then while I'm thinking about it, if you haven't already signed up for the newsletter, you are missing out. I am, I'm going to be honest. I'm murdering those. I am pouring myself into those in a crazy, insane way. Um, so go there, check it out, subscribe now. You can subscribe at impacttheory.com. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me. As always, be legendary, my friends. Take care.
Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.